it would really be sad to have nothing saved for retirement, no matter how great your breasts look. Hi, my name's Alyssa. And my name is Bridget. And you're listening to Money Feels. The podcast where we deep dive into beauty expenses that disproportionately affect women, but we still can't stop spending. I know. I was like going through all of my notes for this episode and I was like, wow, yet again, we're talking about all of the disadvantages to being a woman in this society. (laughs) Because the patriarchy isn't hard enough. You also have to pay for it. Exactly. And pay and also do like take the time to put in the effort to be what they want you to be every day. The labor cost. (laughs) Oh, so obviously today we're going to be talking about the cost of beauty, beauty ideals, spending money on those things and and how we feel about it, I guess, the money feels side of that. The money feels of beauty feels. Exactly. But first, how does your money feel today? Um, I think pretty good. I mean, again, still not much going on because <laughs> I, I still have not spent any money. Um, yeah, I was, I don't know, I read like a good book that again has like majorly shifted my perspectives around finance. And I've just been thinking a lot about that. Like I know it, whenever you ask me this question, I immediately think about like spending, but that's not the only aspect of money. Yeah, I, I know, don't know why so my- money. That's your favorite thing to talk about. (laughs) Well, I always feel like it's the thing I'm supposed to mention. But actually, right now, I'm kind of in a phase where I'm really focused on earning more money. And that's really exciting and positive. So I would say my money feels good. I I just don't think of that when you ask me this question. I'm like, I'm not spending anything. I'm earning money. And that feels good. That's a good. That's a good perspective. I think I do that too, actually, when we talk about this. Yeah, it seems like a spending question, but it's not. You're right. Well, I was going to say I'm feeling like confused again because I (laughs) am almost out of foundation that I wear every single day, speaking of the cost of beauty. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to pay for it because it's like an expensive foundation. They're all expensive. I know, but I'm like, but I, I love it and I use it every day. Why is this such a hard purchase for me to make? And it's just the same internal battle I've been having since we started recording this podcast. (laughs) So my money feels good other than the difficulty in letting myself spend money. I'm confused, though, because I thought you you had no problem buying the mug. And you said anything less than $150 you buy without thinking about it. So why are you getting hung up? How expensive is this foundation, Elizabeth? That's the thing. It's like probably $50. But I'm like... That's why I'm confused. Why are some purchases so much harder to make than others? When it's for fun and when there's like a thrill because it's new and I haven't used it before, I feel like that's when it's exciting. But if it's something I use every day, I'm like, ugh, again? Yeah, I understand that because then it's just like an expensive maintenance cost, not a luxury. Yeah. And I feel like this is the perfect lead in to what we're going to discuss today. Yeah, I'm really excited about this. Before we jump into the topic, I'm actually curious, how much do you think that you spend on beauty, all beauty related products in a year? You know, I didn't think I spent very much, but last year I actually separated it out of my expenses and 2% of my overall spend went towards clothing and makeup. So I kind of lumped them together, but that was way more than I was expecting. I feel like that's low for both clothing and makeup, like 2% on clothing and makeup is very low. Are you including beauty treatments in there? Like, I guess you didn't start Botox till this year, so yeah, it's going to get mean, worse for you. <laughs> I would consider myself fairly low maintenance in the sense that I don't even know if this is a good thing or not, but I don't spend a ton of money on those sort of treatments. Like I don't mm-hmm. very often get massages, maybe once a year, which isn't even this type of expense because that would be covered by my benefits. But I'm just, I only spend money on makeup. And I would say I do two big makeup shops a year, maybe three to four for skincare. Oh, okay. I think that's reasonable though. That's just a normal timeline for how those items run out. 
Right. Yeah. So I'm like very consistent with the makeup that I do use and the products that I have. I don't really venture outside of what I use daily anymore. I used to spend a lot more money buying new, like smaller pieces of makeup, like palettes or whatever was exciting at the time, but it's just not something I prioritize anymore. Oh, okay. I feel like makeup has been something I've always prioritized. Yeah, you I've love makeup. Enjoyed. I do. I I always joke that in another life I'm a beauty influencer because I can see it. I could have gone that route for sure because I really enjoy it and it's really fun for me. I don't know what percentage of my budget I spend on it though. Also, because now I've given up tracking entirely. <laughs> Someone asked me recently, like about budgeting in like one of my Instagram lives. And I'm like, you know what? I'll just be honest. I've given up. I don't, I'm not even tracking anymore. I'm not budgeting. (laughs) Do you, what would your estimate be for like how much you spend on those things per month? I don't always do per month, especially with makeup because I usually do like big orders and then they last for a few months. But I am a Sephora VIB Rouge member, which I think you need to have a thousand dollars a year and spend for that. So I spend a thousand dollars at Sephora a year. (laughs) And then I have a monthly subscription or monthly membership to the spa that I go to that I get monthly facials and they also do my Botox and things like that. And I think that membership, I'm, I'm actually afraid to share these numbers because I'm going to be horrified when I add them all up. (laughs) Um, It's about $1,800 a year. It's like $150 a month. So it's like a gym membership. It is. It's a gym for my face. (laughs) (laughs) And that gets me my monthly facial. And then I often add on to it for things like because I get uh, special treatments. I do um, dermaplaning or microneedling and things like that. And so I spend extra. And then I also spend like on Botox. Their Botox, I probably spend about $700 a year on. And then the add-ons to my other treatments, I don't know, maybe another $1,000. This is really bad. This is done. <laughs> well, I think I admire you for being honest about it. I feel like there's a lot of judgment and criticism from people, even though that's just something you prioritize in your life. I'm. It's nice to hear because I feel like it's something I want to spend money on now that I have more disposable income. Yeah. So like last year I did, I'm kind of choosing like one thing to add on to this, I guess every single year. Last year I got my permanent eyebrows, like I got my eyebrows tattooed on. Oh yeah. I have that too. I forgot about that. Yeah. And so I'll eventually need touch-ups there. But then this year is the first year that, like you said, I'm doing Botox. So I'm slowly adding these services to my budget. I will say it's the area of my budget that has inflated the most when my (laughs) income has gone up. But again, I think it's because it's something I've really enjoyed. The other thing that really uh, kills me now is my hair because I'm not a natural brunette, but Mm. I prefer to have dark hair. And so I have to go every four or five weeks to dye it. And I, I do like semi-permanent. I don't do permanent because then my roots are too harsh with my blonde roots. So I dye it and then it fades, but I still go every four or five weeks. And I, I don't know how much that costs between 150 to $200 because sometimes I get a haircut. Sometimes I don't. So the price kind of fluctuates, but yeah. So I would say that's another $2,000 on hair. (laughs) I, I actually, that's the one area I spend like the least for my beauty maintenance. Because you have incredibly perfect, beautiful, <laughs> long, dark, shiny hair from your two-in-one shampoo, no grays. It's just incredible. Yeah. If my hair looked like yours, I wouldn't spend what I do. <laughs> that was really nice. <laughs> I would get one to two haircuts a year to get rid of my split ends. And that's what I've always done. I usually dye it black once a Mm -hmm. year. Once a year? Yeah, it just kind of stays. And even if it starts to fade, it's really small. Like you can't notice the difference between my hair color, my natural hair color and the black. So I, I feel like I don't need to do much more than that. Oh, that's really nice. Do you do any kind of laser hair removal and stuff because I do that as well now. So that's something I've never done. I 
have occasionally done waxing, like eyebrows, bikini, all those things. Um, But I only do those if I'm really have like a really big event or like if I'm going to be on TV, then I'll splurge for those. But I actually haven't waxed my eyebrows in like over six months. I just pluck them now. Like I just don't spend the money on that. I've never waxed my eyebrows. I don't have um, very hairy eyebrows and my hair's blonde again. So I have that working for me. But I did start getting um, lower leg like laser and it worked so well for me. I wish I had done it in my 20s. Like it's expensive to go for a treatment. I think it's like $200 or something. And I it only took like two treatments and then I went down to shaving my legs only once a week. Oh, that's nice. I mean, I only shave my legs once a week anyways. (laughs) That's what my other friend said too. Um, I typically couldn't go that long. I was like every second or third day because I just like them super smooth. And yeah, once I got laser hair removed, I'm like, oh my God, I should have done this 15 years ago. I've considered it a lot. I've considered it for armpits. Yeah. I feel like that would be one area I just like would love to do that. But I just look to at my February um, makeup and clothing budget and I did spend over $600. Yeah. So, you know, it's going to add up. Like, it does add up really fast. If you do, like, I did one big makeup shop. It was around $300 for skincare and makeup. Skincare is so expensive, but I feel like it makes such a difference. I don't know. I feel like it's made a big difference for me. I'm I'm still waiting for my first wrinkle, and I'm 37. There's a Money Sense poll that specifically covered skincare products and they found that 47% of Canadians spent between 100 to $500 on skincare products in 2020. Oh wow, okay. I feel like that's pretty reasonable. Like what would that I mean, I feel like I might spend a little bit more on that now that I'm in my 30s. But I used to spend around that when I was in my 20s. I think that still sounds reasonable like assuming skincare is just like facial cleanser, maybe toner and moisturizer. I'm like, yeah, I definitely am in that range, I would guess. And mostly because all my more expensive things are outside. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's really interesting. I'm curious, like what you think the beauty ideals that exist, like how they impact your spend, or if they do at all. I think they do so much. I've actually been thinking about this a lot lately, because I look at my face all day. I have to for Mm -hmm. my job. I'm always in my Instagram stories or I'm on TikTok or I'm doing a live and I just look at my face, I don't know, 12 hours a day, which I don't think is mentally good for anyone, myself included. And I think I'm much more critical of my appearance than I would be if I didn't have to look that much. Like I was talking about this with one of my friends Maybe I even said this to you where I'm like, I'm not sure I would get Botox and like do all these other extensive treatments if my job wasn't to show my face on the internet all the time. Yeah, it's true. Like once you start staring at yourself that often, you start to find flaws that you never used to see. But it's just from constantly looking at your face and watching the videos over and over again as you edit things. Or you're just, you're, and you're also thinking like, oh no, what does this look like to everyone else? And honestly, like no one probably cares. Like when I think of my influencers that I love, I don't think about their faces at all. (laughs) No, never. So it's totally like, I guess it's internalized. We all have that feeling. Yeah. That just reminds me. I remember like two years ago when I really started doing Instagram stories and I was always recording myself. That's like, when I really started doing video of myself all the time and I immediately didn't like the shape of my teeth. And so I got one of my friends that's a cosmetic dentist to fix them. Oh, that makes me so sad. Just to change the shape. Like I got cosmetic bonding on my top forefront teeth. And so even that, oh yeah. And when I was an undergrad, I paid for braces. I remember they were like $6,000 at a time when that paid for a whole year of tuition for me. So I've been investing in beauty like crazy forever. Yeah. And I think like, so, you know, I have my spending spreadsheet on that spending spreadsheet is like bigger purchases. And now that I'm thinking about it, 
nearly all of them, I'd say 90% of them are cosmetic procedures. <gasps> it's Invisalign. It's, I want laser eye surgery. I want a boob job. Like those are all <laughs> things that I don't need to do. Hence why they're sitting on this spreadsheet uh, and I've been debating them. Well, I'm, but laser eye surgery isn't cosmetic. Oh, I guess because you don't wear glasses. Is that the reason? Yeah, I don't want to wear glasses anymore. That is partially because of the expense of contacts. So it's more of a financial investment. But, you know, the boob job, the longer it sat on the spreadsheet, the less I think about it. And the more I question, like, who is this for? And every time I'm like, it's not for me. So I just remove it from my mind. And so I think I'm actually going to delete it from the list. (gasps) Oh, I would say of all my cosmetic procedures, the boob job is my favorite one. That one had the highest emotional ROI for me. But that's a good thing. I think like I'm the type of person who I'm like, it doesn't matter how anyone else views these procedures or the expenses that you have when it comes to your beauty. If it makes you happy, then that's okay. Like it's a good expense. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about it? I think it's interesting that initially you asked the question about like beauty ideals and how they impact us. And we didn't dig too deeply into that, but also what I found personally and the work that I do and the procedures that I do or treatments that I do have less about adhering to a certain beauty ideal, though, of course, that is part of it because you can't escape it. But a lot of it is also about just feeling like yourself again and being recognizable to yourself, which I think you don't realize until you're older, like Botox is to get rid of wrinkles Mm -hmm. and all these skin treatments or so my skin has that youthful glow again. And even the breast implants, some of that was cosmetic, but a lot of it was because I breastfed a child for 14 months. And any woman listening to this podcast knows that that has consequences on what your breasts look like. And it just feels good to go back to the best version of yourself even if it does take a cosmetic procedure to do that. Yeah, I guess it's like, I think I do have discomfort in aging, even though it (laughs) feels really discreet right now. But I think it's like, there's a prescriptive, prescriptive beauty norm that we have. It's like a social phenomenon where we have to intensively pursue beauty. And it's like we have this internal belief that our value is determined by beauty. And so I think, yes, it can make us feel good. Yes, we can get parts of our old self back. But ultimately, it's mostly to do with this outer perception from other people. Do you think that that's only an internal view, though? Because I think the data and statistics and research show that attractive people are promoted more often, they're treated better, they get paid more in their careers. Like there is a significant financial upside to being conventionally attractive. No, you're 100% right. There's two ways that these beauty ideals impact us. The first one is body dissatisfaction, which we've already kind of discussed, which is like how we're influenced by messages and experiences that media portray. Or there's appearance-based discrimination, which is exactly Mm -hmm. what you just described, where we're discriminated against based on our body size, our skin shade, our hair texture. And those things contribute to this sort of social policing of women and your ability to be employed, which they refer to as like a beauty tax. So 100%, it's more than just social perception. Yeah. And I think it's gotten so crazy in this age of Instagram where we are consuming that so much. And the trends now are so wild. Like I know this is how I've become like an old middle-aged mom when I look at it, because I'm like, these are all going to be our regrets in 10 or 12 years from now. Like um, Instagram face with the fillers and the fox eyes and the when they were yeah they were doing like threading for the fox eyes and the big lips like all I can think of do you remember when Bratz dolls first came out oh yes people were so shocked by their their appearance because they looked absurd like they didn't look human they looked alien and everyone's like what's with these weird dolls that look (laughs) crazy and that is now Instagram face like I find that so distressing 
that we've made ourselves into the Bratz dolls. And it horrifies me in a lot of ways because I just think like this obsession with the fillers and stretching your face and the fox eyes and strange things. I think this is just like the tanning beds of the modern age. And it is 10 years from now, we're going to be like, I can't believe we did that. That was so bad. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. It's like every single year there's a new trend. There's a new cosmetic appearance that you kind of have to debate whether you want to put this into your appearance. Like it's overwhelming. You constantly have to shift the way you look. Like now they're getting some of their fillers removed and we're reverting back to what we used to look like. It's very strange. Now they're doing the hollow cheek thing. Like, have you seen that? Everyone's into the hollow cheek and I'm like, I'm not, I'm never going to have that one. I had chubby cheeks my whole life and now they like kind of deflated in my thirties, but I'm like, they're never going to be hollow. That's a trend I can't (laughs) participate in. Oh, well, I'll never forget one time when someone was like, oh, you're so lucky. Athletic body types are in, in on trend right now. And I Gross. was like, that is actually one of the rudest things someone said to me. First implying that like, I, you're, that my body type is a certain way. <laughs> Second, that suddenly I'll be more attractive to others because of the body type I have being on trend. Yeah. And we have had so many wild trends with uh, body types and body shapes. And it's also going in a circle now, unfortunately, back to the 90s, which was really, really thin. That heroin chic, which is not chic at all, I think, to look that hungry. So it's really alarming how much this impacts all of us and the obsession with it, which I think is just, again, really heightened by social media. In the past, to follow a trend, the most you could get from was from magazines or your social circle. But now you have access to so much and it's so amplified via social media. And I think that increases the pressure quite a bit to conform yes. to it. Yeah. I think there was a study too where you already said it and you bang on were in line with the study, which is that we spend on average 12 and a half hours a day consuming media. And that's basically where those beauty ideals are created and communicated through. So it's constant. We're constantly consuming the picture perfect life or idea of what you should look like. Yeah, I know. I know 100%. I would do less if I didn't have to look at myself online. And I even as I find that mentally distressing to acknowledge, I'm I'm not going to change it. (laughs) Well, I wanted to kind of touch on the financial costs of those two ways that these beauty ideals impact us, which is like the body dissatisfaction and the appearance-based discrimination. Because I was telling you before we started recording, I found the Dove Real Cost of Beauty report from Mm -hmm. 2022. And we're like, oh, Dove, like with those commercials they used to have, like, not sure how legitimate this is. But they actually partnered with Harvard to complete this study. And Uh it's a full-blown report. And in it, they actually break down how they determined the financial cost of these two impacts. And I found it really interesting. They spoke about how body dissatisfaction incurs $84 billion in financial costs each year, and then an additional $221 billion in loss of well-being. So basically, they were talking about how like the financial costs are actually based on, you know, lost wages or the mental health cost of having to deal with body dysmorphia or eating disorders. Um, And they talk about the non-financial cost of well-being, which is like a reduction in quality of life because you're constantly worrying about the way you look. So I found that, yeah, it's really eye-opening because when you think about it that way, like, yeah, it actually does have great economic impact Mm -hmm. because we could be less productive. We could be less likely to work certain positions. Um, And then it talks about too, like those appearance-based discrimination costs, which is $269 billion uh, a year. And then, yeah. And again, like billions of dollars based on these ideals that aren't even real. Well, 
Yeah, but they're part of capitalism, which is the point. Like, it's literally designed to profit off of your insecurities. And if you don't have insecurities, it's going to manufacture them for you in order to keep this industry going. That's exactly it. And in a study of more than 3,000 women across 10 countries, 90% said they wanted to change at least one aspect of their physical appearance. Oh, it makes me so sad, but... I mean, this is the reality we live in. And just because I want to mention it, because I I want to acknowledge it in some way without diving too deep into it, it's so awkward to discuss beauty standards because there's you can't do it without also discussing the racism yes. in them. Is We have really penalized the bodies and features of women of color for most of history, and then it the tide kind of turned to where white people started um, using them like the overfilled lips or BBLs for larger backsides and things like that. And then it was like, it was cultural appropriation of physical attributes that is all wrapped up in this as well. And now those are kind of going away and we're going back to like really thin white women and that's becoming the beauty ideal again. And it's just like, there's so many layers of gross that's yeah. part of this. Systemic oppression yet again. Yeah, over and over. Yeah. And it's why it's honestly wild how much it does impact your ability to succeed. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, yeah, really good point really important point. I know that you have covered a lot of interesting data about (laughs) cosmetic surgery costs and those types of procedures. And we've talked like a bit about the stuff that we've done, but can you share a little bit more detail and insight into how that is usually going in society these days? Like who's doing this? How much is it costing us? And why are we doing it? Well, now everyone's doing it, which yeah. is <laughs> the interesting change of things. Because again, not only are we being influenced by social media and especially the pandemic, that's what I found hilarious is that once everyone moved to Zoom, I guess I shouldn't say hilarious. I'm like darkly hilarious. (laughs) I'm laughing at it in the saddest way possible is when everyone moved to remote work and again, also had to stare at themselves on camera all day. It caused like a major spike in facial plastic surgeries. I was trying to get data for this podcast before we went on. um, And there's different reports from like different regions and things like that. But I guess Botox and fillers went up 90%. And one plastic surgeon in a CBC article actually reported that he had a 200% increase in demand for nose, chin, cheek (gasps) surgery, because people are always looking at their profiles and they care how they look on Zoom. Zoom has ruined us. Oh, no. It's very true, though. I've actually, like, I feel like there should be a rule at companies that if you're not having a good mental health day, you should be allowed to have your camera off. Yeah. Oh, no, for sure. Yeah, camera is bad for your mental health, as you and I are recording this with our cameras on. (laughs) Well, I need to see your reactions. But we were, before we started recording, talking about how the reason we don't record our podcasts and have video clips attached to them is because we don't want to have to get ready. I know. Which in itself is horrible. I know. It's because we can talk to each other with no makeup on, but I would never post this to the internet. I know. And so I feel like it doesn't matter what way you spin it. Like it does impact your work because you like want to appease everyone else. Mm -hmm. The other thing that's interesting to note in the spike of demand for these cosmetic procedures is some of them have gotten considerably more affordable. Like Botox is fairly cheap as far as things go. And it's really gone down in price since the nineties. So it's become radically accessible to people who previously maybe couldn't afford it when these procedures were really limited to really high earning households. So we've seen that kind of trickle down effect. And then also because as always the ease of access to credit has allowed a lot of people to finance cosmetic procedures. And actually, when you go to a plastic surgeon's office, 
and I'm sharing this information for better or for worse, (laughs) but one of the things that they will offer you is they often do financing in-house. So you can actually take out a loan from your surgeon's office for the procedures that you want to do. And if you don't qualify for that loan or you don't use that. I know plenty of people will use lines of credit and other means. Some people, like I've had friends put their nose job on a credit card before. <laughs> so wow. Yeah. Be- because of the procedures, only a few thousand dollars, a lot of people are like, well, I'll just get it now and uh, deal with the debt as I may. And I think those options previously, it wasn't as easy. Like women couldn't even have credit cards until the 1970s. And now yeah, easy access to credit has also spiked the demand for these procedures. And it's a massive industry. Financing plastic surgery is ridiculously profitable. Wow, that is shocking. (laughs) I don't know. I just, I always assumed you couldn't, like, I didn't know they would offer that in-house. Oh, yeah. It's in the pamphlet. They're like, you want new boobs? Also, how do you want to pay for it? We can help you pay for it. Sign here. Like, it's very easy. And I'm not saying this in a way even to say that it's bad. I'm just saying this is what's facilitating the demand. I also don't even want to say that I think it's bad to take out a loan for these procedures. And I I hope this makes sense as I explain it. But for a lot of people, if there's a feature about your face or your body that really bothers you, and I know like maybe you were teased as a child for a feature, or you don't like your body after pregnancy as many women do. And if it's impacting your happiness in a way, and we all know what that feels like to dislike Mm -hmm. something about ourselves in a way that you cannot even enjoy your day to day. I mean, maybe it does make sense to get that procedure done just so you can return to happiness in your normal life, even if you maybe have to borrow part to do it. I don't want you to don't put a nose job on your credit card. But (laughs) I mean, if you do need to use a line of credit or a cosmetic loan to pay for part of it, and the ROI will be so much in your mental health and well-being, like, I could I could see it is all I'm saying. No, I think that's fair. I think it's important to say that, too. I think there's a lot of shame and judgment, again, in this industry. Like, people feel fear to get this stuff done because they're going to be criticized. It's like you're criticized for not having those features, yet you're criticized for going above and beyond to get them. There's not really any winning in cosmetics. (laughs) That's the part that's so weird. It's like we're all supposed to look this way, which is incredibly unnatural, especially Instagram face. Like no one looks like that. Not even Kendall Jenner looks like that. She had to do a lot to her face to look like it. And it's kind of a little dirty little secret. And I think a lot of people like there is a lot of spending on cosmetic procedures and plastic surgery. And I think a lot of people just don't talk about it. Like they just don't disclose that. Yeah, no, it's very unlikely that you'll share it. And even that's what plastic surgeons say, don't they? Like it's better if people don't know. It's it's only good surgery if you can't tell that it was done. So we're basically paying for people to never know that we spent all of this money and put this investment into ourselves. It's like, I don't want you to know, but it's there. I think that's true, except for the look, like the Instagram and TikTok look, which is so obviously drastic. Yeah, it's so obviously cosmetically enhanced. And that's part of the class. Like it communicates that you can afford. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Is this just another wealth signal? It totally is. And that's why I sent you that great article before we started this podcast that's in Tablet Mag, which I had never read before, a tablet magazine. And it's titled The Class Politics of Instagram Face by Grazy Sophia Christie. And she is such a clever writer. It's so good. She's so funny. But she does talk about how this moves through the class hierarchy and we've kind of entered this phase where no one just wants to enhance their own features. They all want to look the same and that's the look. And I saw a TikTok from another TikToker that I follow. Her name's Sam Dahl. She's a hilarious, funny woman out of Toronto. She always talks about like eating all the food at Drake's parties and stuff. She's (laughs) hilarious. And she did this TikTok where she just said straight up, she's like getting Botox and filler or cosmetic procedures. She's like, 
that's a look. We know that you're not young. Like when I see a 50 year old woman with no wrinkles, I don't think like, wow, she looks 35. I think, oh, that's a 50 year old woman with Botox. (laughs) And I think that's true. I think we've entered a phase where nobody's fooling anyone. We know that it's fake, but yeah, it is, it is a wealth signal. It's a class signal. Yeah. And I'm like, also wanted to ask you too. And I don't know if this is like a not great question, but like (laughs) a lot of people who are critical of these cosmetic procedures, do you feel like it is because they can't afford those procedures? And so it's easier to criticize them and come from this place of like, I'm above that procedure when that might not be the reality. Like if there was all the money in the world, would you change your mind? Would you go and get some of those procedures? I don't know, because I don't really listen to people that are critical of things like this, because (laughs) to be truth be told, I just, I don't like to hear from people that have opinions on how they think other people should look like or spend their money (laughs) or spend their money like those two things. I think that having a highly cosmetic appearance is a look. And it's a choice. And some people want to look like that. Even when I got my breast augmentation, like I chose a surgeon specifically that did a more natural look. Another friend of mine chose a surgeon that did a really enhanced cosmetic look because that is legitimately what she wanted. She was like, I want my boobs to look like two fake beach balls on my (laughs) chest. Like that was, that's what she wanted. So she went and got that. And, um, and she's also had other procedures that I would get because that's just not the look that I want to have. And I think there's a lot of criticism. And I've heard people say things like, oh, well, you only get that if you're insecure or I, like all the reasons that they do. I don't know if it comes from their insecurity. I don't know if it comes from their frustration of not being able to afford it. I, I think there's degrees. I think there's levels at which pursuing too much plastic surgery does reflect an unhappiness with yourself that you think that it will cure and it won't. And it's just causing more damage and more body dysmorphia. Like we've all seen people like that and celebrities have that have maybe taken it too far. And it's, and that I think like, I understand why people criticize that, but I also think it's unreasonable to say never get any cosmetic surgeries ever because you have to love yourself the way you are. Like, that would mean I would have never straightened my teeth and I would never dye my hair. And why is it appropriate to get braces or dye your hair, but not appropriate to get a nose job? I don't know. So I, people just have different levels of comfort of what they think is appropriate to change your appearance. And yeah, I just don't like to hear from people that are negative and critical unless it's really from a place like, I think you're harming yourself with too many procedures. I love that. Everything you just said was perfect. We'll just wrap it up and put a bow on it. (laughs) But I also think it has a lot to do with where you live. Like I think some people, like here, plastic surgery and cosmetic surgery are looked at much differently than they are in LA. Oh, 100%. I even find they're different from Edmonton and Calgary. Like when I go to Calgary, what are the women doing to their lips? Why are they so big? (laughs) Like they're so big in Calgary. Like that's the Calgary look. They love their overfilled lips. Maybe it's coming down now because everyone's dissolving their fillers but I would go there and I'm just like what why your lips are so large so I don't know yeah I think it's it is it's like whatever your inner circle is doing whatever the network you would typically interact with is doing that's what you do that's the you because we want to look alike we want to look normal whatever that means (laughs) and so we just kind of go with the flow and some people are more accepting if it's more common in the city that you live in. Whereas if you live in rural Saskatchewan might not be as common and you might be looked at differently for getting that procedure as opposed to not. That's true. There is a, there is definitely a culture around it. And yeah, I bet LA is a totally different experience than here. I actually found Utah when I lived in Utah, everyone was so into plastic surgery. Like every girl got her boobs done. It was crazy. Utah's just different than we thought (laughs) in general. Like as soon as mom talk from Utah blew up, 
things just changed. Our perceptions of Utah changed. And I think no, I'm starting I, to I understand. Knew. Well, if I you're li- from I there, you knew. There. But to the rest <laughs> of us, we were like, it's a Mormon state. And that's all we knew. We didn't know all of these other secrets. <laughs> I think it's interesting, though, because part of the LDS culture, too, is on being really beautiful. Like, And a lot of Mormon mm. women are striking. They're so beautiful because your appearance is actually a way that you are showing love for God, like taking care of your body. And so Mormon women are extraordinarily beautiful. And yeah, there's lots of plastic surgery down there. So much. <laughs> See, you never know. (laughs) On that note, what do typical people spend on beauty outside of cosmetic surgery? We've talked a little bit about like what we spent on our personal beauty budget, (laughs) um, which does kind of include some cosmetic procedures. But as far as just makeup goes or just beauty goes, on average, the amount of money that people spend on their appearance could pay for four years of college tuition. No. Yes. What? <laughs> what? We... Wait, ex- explain that statistic. <laughs> you just gave me a heart attack. It's over the course of a lifetime. So oh, okay. that oh makes God, it a little Alyssa. less. <laughs> <laughs> but the average woman spends about $313 a month on their appearance. No, they don't. 313 Yes. And so that adds up to $3,756 a year or $225,360 over the course of a lifetime. Like that strikes me as so much, but I thought that was like in the range of my spending, but I think that mine is very high. Like I think I have a luxurious amount of beauty spent. So I'm kind of shocked that that that, that amount, which I consider close to mine is average. Yeah, I think that we underestimate all of the little purchases we make throughout the year. And when you are including things like dyeing your hair and getting your Mm, nails done and, you know, those things really add up. A lot of people get their nails done every single month. That's $100 right there. I've always been proud of myself for painting my own nails. I paint my own nails, but I also get, I probably get two to three manicures a year. I've gotten two manicures in my entire life. Wow. I've never gotten a pedicure. I've gotten one pedicure. So see, I think like everyone just spends money on different things. You spend money on your um, membership. Other people will spend that much money on makeup every single month because they truly love it. It's a passion of theirs. And I I was actually surprised that men still spend quite a lot. They spend about $175,680 over the course of their lifetime. That is really high, relatively. Yeah. I thought they would be like one third or less. So that what was... do they buy? Just like beard oil, and then <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe it's like aftershave, cologne. I mean, there are still a lot of expenses for men as well, and their average is two hundred and forty-four dollars a month. I guess that doesn't surprise me so much because I do think that men also, like, they're more interested in skincare now. There's lots of Mm -hmm. great skincare lines for men. I see men at my spa all the time. I know they're there for Botox or whatever, hair implants, whatever they do, things like that, like, which are expensive for sure and make them look great. Like, I'm... I'm pro-attractive men too. Go get it, guys. (laughs) I think what it comes down to is like if you do a big cosmetic surgery once in your life and that's averaged out as well, it does add up really quickly. So we're also more likely to spend the most money on facials. So that's in line with your spending. Yeah, that's my membership. (laughs) In second place is haircuts and then makeup, manicures, and pedicures. So The research shows that women prefer to spend money on beauty rituals and experiences rather than products. And those are more expensive. Oh, I love that actually a little bit. Yeah. Because that is the experience. It's a form of self-expression for women. And I don't think that we give that the credit that it deserves. We definitely don't. The only people that have ever criticized my makeup and stuff, though, have been men who don't get it. Yeah. And that's not unusual. (laughs) But I think what's frustrating for me, which is like what you already mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, it's like we have so much less financial leverage than men. We struggle to pay for college, buy homes, 
everything's more expensive for us. We pay more for shampoo, deodorant, razors, haircuts. Mm -hmm. But we drive 85% of consumer purchases. And clearly a lot of that is cosmetic. (laughs) And so I'm just like, this economy should be more in favor of women. We should have more power. We should have more control than we do. No, that's not how it works, Alyssa. Capitalism (laughs) operates on oppression, and that's what it is. Oppression of women, oppression of people of color. That's that's what's happening here. It's not going to change. It's literally designed that way. I was trying to be... Ex- like excited about it and you just squashed my hopes and dreams i think it's more important for us to be honest yeah right we have we and we are we're usually brutally <laughs> honest <laughs> i think you've already answered this question for me but for you do you think this is all worth the expense would you change anything would you spend more would you spend less Like in your current spending and knowing like you just announced it and you were like, this is too much. Like, do you actually feel like it's too much or are you happy with your spend? I would spend less if I didn't have to be on camera every day. A hundred percent. I would, I would take it way down if I didn't have to look at my face all the time and it wasn't my job to present myself. And now I think the internet's getting a little bit more forgiving. And there are, everyone has seen me without makeup. I do go on TikTok and Instagram with no makeup sometimes because I do that for my own mental health, just so I'm like, I don't feel all the pressure to always be done up. But no, I would definitely spend less. I do want to reiterate just because I want to encourage women who are considering it. I think like my breast augmentation was some of the best money I've ever spent. Like I like hearing that. Yeah, I think it gave such a high emotional ROI because it was one of those things that it did make me feel better every single day. I never felt insecure in any clothes that I wear, any bikinis. Like I love to be naked. I look so good. It's just a joy to have my body now. And I think that was a great expense and that was definitely worth it. So I would keep that. I would probably spend less on makeup and I would spend less on like Botox and things like that. I would just go less frequently if I didn't have to show my face online. That's fair. What about you? I think I've learned a lot that I don't need to try like new products. I don't need to keep up with trends. Like (laughs) there are some beauty items that I just don't need. I have hooded eyelids. I'm stopping buying eyeshadow. It's a waste of money for me. (laughs) If I want color on my lids, I pop some bronzer there. I'm not going to spend money on these outrageously expensive palettes anymore. Oh, I can show you how to do hooded eye makeup. You know, I think I look fine without it. (laughs) I, I just feel like I spend the money on the items that I use. I've stopped spending money on items I think I'm going to use based on a TikTok or a YouTube video that I saw, which I think is very much growth for me. I used to be so enticed to buy those items and would do it even if I knew I wouldn't use them long term. You're yeah, you're saying this is I just received $70 of eyeliner from Pinterest this morning. <laughs> I mean, whatever makes you happy. And I think that's all it comes down to. I'm happy with every procedure I've had done. I'm really glad I went and did Botox. It yeah. has significantly boosted my self-esteem mostly because I was looking in the camera all the time and I had one wrinkle and it's so silly to say (laughs) that I had one wrinkle on my forehead that was irritating me but it's gone and it was like 20 minutes of my life that's it and the emotional ROI is extremely high yeah I don't think that's silly that's why people do these procedures it's because it does make you feel better every single day It's not like buying one piece of clothing or eating a really good meal that you only experience it when you have it. It changes your day-to-day experience. And those, I think, are some of the most powerful dollars that you can spend. Yeah. Is it, am I happy that this is how our system works, that this is what people want us to do to feel better about ourselves? No. But I'm okay with the purchases I've made. I don't even think about it. I don't worry about the system. I live in it. It sucks. I, that's all the thoughts it needs. Then you just go get what you want. I think we should end it there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but do you have any tips for people other than if you want the breast augmentation, go for it <laughs> so that they can 
like move towards self-acceptance? Maybe if they don't want to spend money on the cosmetic procedures or if they do, like what would you tell them? I think you should just consider it seriously. Like when you're getting a surgery versus a makeup palette, like I think trying makeup is super fun and it's really low cost and you can just wash it off. It's fine. When you're looking at cosmetic surgeries, they are permanent in some capacity, even the ones that are temporary, like they tell you that filler is temporary. It's, it's not like it causes scar tissue in your body. Like things never go back perfectly the way they are. Um, or major surgery that you have to be put under, like be very thoughtful about whether or not it, it is worth it because I think it's easy to get carried away and be clear about like why you're doing it. Um, to look better on Instagram or TikTok. I don't know if that's the best reason to like modify your body, but if it is something that will make you feel better in your day-to-day life, for sure, for sure do it. We didn't mention this in the podcast, but I think that it's funny. Like I love that we went a whole podcast without saying it. Cause again, men still don't get it. You know, men think that we wear makeup and get cosmetic procedures for men. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually like the last reason. I know we like forgot about it. This whole podcast. That's how little it comes to yeah, mind. They, they don't matter. They're not relevant to the conversation. <laughs> But yeah, so, but if that is something like um, getting a breast augmentation or a BBL or a tummy tuck isn't going to necessarily help you find love or something bigger like that. Like I think sometimes people want plastic surgery or a cosmetic procedure to transform their entire life. Yeah, and that's it, what it they doesn't think. do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like you still have the same life, your body is slightly different. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everything stays the same. Your body is just slightly different. So make sure that your expectations are reasonable because you don't want to get into that cycle that some people do get into where they spend thousands of dollars to get something done. Then they think they need something else. So they spend thousands of dollars on that. Then they keep going. Like I think people do get addicted to it. So I would just weigh what are your expectations? What are your desires? And what is reasonable for you to spend? Because it would really be sad to have nothing saved for retirement, no matter how great your breasts look. (laughs) Aw, is that what's (laughs) going to be the intro to this episode? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's done. (laughs) I feel like I, I think like, because I don't typically spend that much money on those things, because they don't bring me joy, I wanted to share a quote from this one book that I found that's very nice, like a nice little you don't have to spend this money to find joy. Like sometimes, yes, I agree. That might be like the option for you. But this is the quote, okay? <laughs> Take a careful look around you the next time you're walking in a crowded area. If you play close attention, you'll see women of myriad body shapes and sizes, hair colors, facial features, and ages. It's easy to forget the actual landscape of women's appearances because the range of what we see in media is so narrow. Oh, that's true. So that was from Renee Angen. She wrote Beauty Sick, which is a book all about how media portrays our need for changing our appearance. And yeah, I think it was really nice because I was like, that's true. I don't, when I'm out, walking around, I'm not looking at other people. I'm thinking about myself. But if I just yeah, opened my same. eyes, I would quite easily find that everyone has their own look and that's what works for them. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. So I guess that's where we'll end today's episode. Yeah, I think that was great. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Money Feels. You can subscribe to our podcast anywhere you listen and be on the lookout for another episode next week. If you like the show, we're officially on Patreon and you can gain access to bonus content there. Please feel free to leave us a review. It's a free way to support us and we'll see you next week. Follow us on Instagram at Mixed Up Money for Alyssa, at Bridgie Casey for me and at Money Feels Podcast for the podcast. And we'll see you next time. (laughs) 